Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Hello. Today, I'm with Olivia again, my daughter. Ta-da! And the first episode of your show is in the show notes. If people want to go back and watch your first delivery today, we're going to talk about delivery number two, delivery number one recap. It was really hard. I was bullied by my doctors and had a really, really hard recovery, but because of it, I became a doula. And I can hear baby number two in the background. So you were bullied. You didn't see enough for yourself. You didn't have a voice. Hi. Hi, bug. What you doing? Hi, nanny. Hi, nanny. Okay. So this one, this little girl, you're pregnant with her and you know, you, first of all, you had the first baby and your kids are 18 months apart. Yes. Because, you know. He was ready before we knew we were. Yes. <laughs> so you had this experience that was really, really hard, really physically traumatic, bullied, didn't have a voice. Um, and your husband was there and super supportive of you, but also didn't stand up to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's the first delivery. So like nobody Correct. really going on and you want to think like you do think that the doctors are right and know what they're saying but not always the case no oh I mean I I think what they the doctors are doing it's not that they're not right it's that they want things to be more convenient for them a lot of the time and that means it's less convenient for you so you are in the process of becoming a doula when you get pregnant, uh, breastfeeding. Not quite. Not quite. We, it started a little bit after. So I found out that I was pregnant in October when I was supposed to start my training to become a doula. And then my husband thought that that might be too much. So I had to spend the next three months convincing him that it would not be too much. And it would be beneficial for me to start my training while pregnant. Oh, I thought you started before that. Okay. That was what we were going to do. And then I found out I was So I so, started in January. And then she was born at the end of June. Yes. So you're, you decide that you want to like dedicate your life to helping other women after the first birth. And you're in that process and you're pregnant with number two. Now, I want to mention that you guys were military at the time. So... <laughs> I was military for my first child also, and usually you use the military hospital. Yeah. So with my first, I did. Yeah. With this one, <laughs> um, they called me. They said they had too many people due in June. And would I like to be seen in the civilian sector? So a non-military hospital. And I said, yes. And I had actually, when I first moved to Texas, I had been a nanny for an OB. So I called yeah. her 
to see if she was still in the area, if she took our insurance and if she would be my doctor. And she was my doctor through the entire thing. Which was so great because you were a nanny for her oldest child and knew her really well. And Mm -hmm. how amazing was it that your OB was somebody that you knew personally really well Uh, that, and she was pregnant too. Yeah. She had her second in August in August. Um, it was really nice that we already had a relationship built so I could be like, Hey, this is how I want to deliver. This is how I feel about things. This was my previous experience. Um, and I felt comfortable from the first time talking about what I wanted. And I think that makes a big difference. And you were in a really ideal situation where you actually personally knew your doctor for Mm -hmm. women who don't, you can still have those conversations. They are still human beings and they do have a lot of training and you are in their hands and there are times they have to make tough judgment calls. However, you can still talk to them. So I, it was so exciting when you found out that she was going to be your doctor. Yes. Yeah. It was so nice. And so I had had one appointment already at the military hospital before they referred me out. And that was at 13 weeks. So I went my entire first trimester without knowing if my baby was even okay, which is stressful. Yeah. I think, you know, there are a lot of people who are pretty low key about their care and it comes out all right. But when you're super responsible about your care and you want to be preventative, that is a little stressful. It did. It took a while to get all of that done. Tell me how that went. So you're now in this great, great situation. You're really relieved. So where the first time you felt bullied and you lost control, tell, talk us through this one. So sorry. She's like the wiggliest child. She is the wiggliest child. Um, so my care through the entire thing was great. I really, yeah, this is about you. Are you going to let mommy tell the story? Maybe she might. Um, I went in, I got, it was my first appointment with her. I was able to have an ultrasound, make sure, you know, everything was good. Um, they communicated really well. I got all of the appointments in when I told her how with my first, they were, got so busy that I wasn't seen from like 36 weeks until I went in to deliver. Yeah. Um, which isn't normal. That's when they want to see you every week. Every week. Yeah. I was not, um, but with, with her, I was able to have all of the appointments, get everything done when I was supposed to. Um, and just communicate a lot better. Sorry, she's distracting. <laughs> I mean, I'm her grandma and my grandkids call me Nani. And so I'm trying super hard not to be distracted. Um. Uh. So I, instead of like going and being like, oh, I have a different doctor the last two appointments and then I'm not seen again. <laughs> what does little miss need? I, I don't actually know. 
What do you want? What do you want? To be the center of attention. Hello. I don't know where she gets that from. Uh, Probably her dad. Probably. <laughs> um. So then we get to the end of my pregnancy. I'm being seen, you know, every week and we're talking about our different options and stuff. And you're supposed to fly in. I was flying in to take care of you. It's so hard when you're flying in from somewhere else. And I was taking two weeks, but like you have an 18 month old last time, you know, you don't know what it's like to heal from a, like a quote normal birth because you, you had so many issues outside of the delivery that were hard and you want to time it and you're paying for it. And so I was flying in. Yes. So you were flying in and your flight got delayed a day. It did. Full day. And I got my membrane swept just to see if it would help because I wasn't sure like how anything was going to happen. Well, you were four days overdue with your first baby and they um, did the Foley bulb and I was coming in and you, of course, when you have somebody coming to help, you want to have the baby on the front end of that visit. And I waited till later. I mean, how far along were you when I flew in? 39? Yeah, you flew in a week before the due date and you were going to stay until a week after. after. Right. Oh. Oh, I don't know where it went. Well, you're there for me. Okay. You just minimize me? No, I got a phone call. And when I get a phone call, it like kicks me out of whatever screen I'm in. Yeah, so you were flying out. And I was late with my first, and I didn't want to be late with her. Do you need some milk? Maybe. I didn't want to be late with her and have you leave, like, right after we got out of the hospital. Right, like a day later, right? So they they stripped your membranes. She stripped my membranes before you... Okay, no. Um... And I've been having contractions like on and off. They weren't very consistent. Um, I would have them pretty consistently. Like the night that you were supposed to fly in, I was having them really consistently for a good chunk of time. So I like had our backup on call. I was like, hey, just so you know, like my mom isn't here yet. And I'm having contractions pretty consistently. I'm just waiting for them to get closer together to like know that I'm like in labor. Um, and they stopped. Of course. So, of course they did. Um, and so I was just waiting and then I got to 39 weeks. You were in town and I was talking to my doctor and I talked to you, I talked to my husband. I was like, hey, I don't know like what to do. And my OB was like, well, you're 39 weeks. Um, we can kind of do whatever we want. So if you want to be induced, we can schedule an induction or we can keep waiting. And so we debated and she said she was on call on Father's Day. So she would be in the hospital if I wanted to set the induction for that day. And we were like, okay, 
let's do it. So we set the induction date for Father's Day because then I knew you would be there after for the amount of, for a good amount of time, like I wanted, instead of like ending up stressing myself out more and not going into labor. I think that was a hard thing. Like, do you, because for someone who really wants to natural, have natural childbirth and stuff like you do, like I did, it's so hard to balance which one is more stressful. Yeah. Like waiting or inducing and is inducing stressful or do you feel guilty because you didn't wait it out or uh, will it be harder? Like all of the things that are unknown in that situation. Fortunately, your doctor was super supportive. Yeah. And when we talked about the induction, I had mentioned the Foley bulb and how that's what I had done before and how I liked that because I didn't need to be hooked up to anything. Um, and based on the check that she had just done of my cervix, she's like, you might not be able to do a Foley bowl. Like I was like two centimeters dilated again, but I was really soft. And she's like, I don't think it'll hold. Right. Like, when you get there and they're starting the induction, we can talk, like we can revisit that. So we have the induction set. We go in at 6 a.m to do all things. I did all of like the in-processing stuff the okay. night before. So we go in nice and early. Sun, our son isn't up yet. So like he doesn't see us leaving him. Really? Yeah, this is about how you came into the world. This is you. This is you. Um, and we get in there and I ask, about like the Foley bulb and you know they check you again when you're like coming in just to see and there's like I don't think it'll work there's like we would really recommend the Pitocin which is what my doctor had said and you know day of there's like that's it's not gonna work I was like okay that's fine I knew that was a possibility we can do the Pitocin I mean it's kind of good to find out that you're far enough along in pre-labor that like that's, that's a kind of a good thing. So you yeah. did Pitocin. We did Pitocin. They started me on the lowest dosage just to kind of kick things up. And I started contracting pretty soon. Really? Um, we... We're just like kind of hanging out. We put on Food Network. I was walking around. We were talking and laughing. I read a book for a little bit. Like we were just kind of hanging out. It was just like, yeah, I'm just here. Contracting a little bit, I guess, but like we're fine. So they started me on Pitocin at 7.15 in the morning is when everything got started. They ended up stopping it at some point. Um, and my doctor came in, noticed that it was stopped and was like, oh, we're gonna have them start it up again. Like that doesn't make sense. So they started it up, but they upped the dosage. This was probably like 10 or 11. Um, and I had been contracting the entire time. So I had no idea that it was off. So they upped the dosage. I think it was probably, it was between 10 and 11. 
she came back in around 12. What time are you born? Yeah, around 12. Um, I got checked. I think I was at like seven or eight centimeters. I yelled at a nurse once. Um, she, I had been laboring on the toilet and I had wireless monitoring for her so that I had easier ability to move around on my own. And so I was laboring on the toilet and like the head nurse came into the room and was like, Hey, we can't monitor the baby with you like this. And I had just sat down. I had just sat down. She's like, we can't monitor the baby like this. You need to go back to the room. Like we need, we're going to have to check her in the, in the bed. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? And then she made me wash my hands, which also just was not my favorite thing about her. She was just doing her job. I get it, but man, she was not my favorite person. <laughs> so she had me go back into the room and I was like, you need to turn it off. I want like turn the Pitocin off. I want it off. And she's like, if we turn it off, we're going to have to start all over. And I was like, I don't care. Turn it off. And like got really upset. So she's like, okay, let me go ask. So they asked my doctor and she's like, yeah, you can turn it off. So they turn it off. Doctor comes in, checks me and is like, okay, how do you feel about breaking your water? You're like eight centimeters. How do you feel about that? And I was like, sure. Why not? It's like 1230-ish. She broke my water and she went, she's like, it's not going to be that long. And I was like, okay, cool. Awesome. Breaks my water. I'm getting like very, like way, I'm very in labor. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, Pitocin's <laughs> off, but once they break your labor and you don't have that cushion, it is really hard. It's well, full on. Before they turned the Pitocin off, I was like, where I was getting more intense. I was like, all right, like I am in labor. Like these aren't just like early contractions, like we are going. And so they turn the Pitocin off and before they break my water, I'm like squatting on the floor, holding onto the bed, swaying, moaning, having my husband push my hips in. Like I'm like in labor. And she's like, how do you feel about breaking your water? And I was like, sure, why not? Like, cool. It won't take that much longer. Awesome. I'm all, like, I'm already feeling intense. Like, let's, let's just add to it. I'm like, sure, why not? And so they break my water. And I hit transition. <laughs> Your doctor went to eat, right? She's like, it won't take long, but I'll go to eat. So she went downstairs. So she was in the cafeteria mm -hmm. when I think they called her. So she ran back upstairs because she knew it wasn't going to be that long. So she wasn't going to like leave. And so I'm kneeling on the bed using the, like, you know how hospital beds, they can like L, you know, so I'm like kneeling and leaning against the back of the bed and 
I know I'm pushing. I've hit transition. I am pushing. Like it is, it is time. And I press the button and I yell into as soon as somebody answers, pushing. I was a lot more vocal this time around and I feel really bad for anybody that was connected, like who shared a wall with me <laughs> during this delivery. So everybody, you know, comes rushing in and they're just like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I'm like leaning, kneeling and leaning on the back of the bed. And they're just like, are you sure? Like, do you want to stay like this? And I was like, yup. I was like, I am not moving. They're like, are you sure you want to stay like that? Yup. And they ask again. And my husband is like, she's going to stay like that. And I was like, this man, he knows. And I am with her delivery. I got very, very like guttural, like very deep in my chest, very guttural, very loud. Primal. Yeah. It was very primal. And one of the nurses, I was wearing like yoga socks because you have to have something on your feet and it has to be non-slip. So I'm wearing my own socks. And one of the nurses was like, do you want to take your socks off so they don't get blood on them? And I'm like, oh yeah, like a total shift from this like, okay, I'm pushing like, oh, to yeah, that's a good idea. Ugh. Like total shift. Um, so I'm, delivering with my back to my doctor, kneeling. And it's very common to poop while you are pushing. And I pooped in my doctor's face. And again, one <laughs> of the other things in the midst of this is, oh, I pooped. Like fully aware. And they're like, it's okay. Like I caught it in the back. I went like, you're good. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> But like, there were those two moments where I swapped from being like this primal guttural, like warrior woman to, oh, I pooped. Oh yeah, let's take my socks off. That's a good idea. <laughs> Back to this primal guttural delivery. And the head nurse, she kept pushing me. She kept pushing me forward. Cause I guess I, my knees were like right on the edge of the bed and they weren't sure who was gonna fall first, me or the baby. So everybody was like prepared to catch me cause I'm like bearing down, like squatting down and leaning backwards while holding on to the back of the bed. And they keep pushing me forward or my husband like is holding on to my arms. And I'm like, why is everybody touching me? Like, why are you pushing me? And then they lower the bed down and I was like, no. And they gave me a peanut ball. They're just like, you are going to fall off the bed. The way you are like kneeling, the way you're sitting, like we need to move you, shift you forward on this bed. And it was making me so mad because nobody said that until after. It's like, I had no idea how close I was to falling off. I was just getting irritated that everybody was pushing me forward when I wanted to lean backwards. Um, yep. We got a sleeping baby. Also, you were so adamant about wanting your voice to be heard this time around and wanting to do it the way you wanted to do it and not the way someone else wanted to do you to do it. So I'm guessing that 
that was part of it too. Like I, you told me that I could do it the way I want. And of course you're not realizing you're going to fall off the bed and like hurt yourself, but you had, you were really adamant about that. Yeah. I was like, I want to do it my way. So why are you, why are you changing my position? Right. Like, why are you messing with me? And my husband was like, and the doctor even commented, she was like, I wasn't sure who I was going to have to catch. Like, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Why everybody was like pushing me forward when I wanted to not be doing that. Um, I didn't push for very long when I was like actively pushing. And something that was really nice is they were, so they were trying to direct my pushing like they had with my first, where it was like, okay, and push, breathe and push. And when you can feel everything that's going on, that's not how your body wants to push. Your body gives you breaks in between. So they would be like, and push. And I'd be like, no. And then I would push because then my body was like, here's contraction to push. And I would push for that. And then I would be able to breathe for a minute. And then I would push. And they, for a couple times, they were like, okay, and push breathe and push. And I would be like, no. And then I would push and they stopped. They stopped trying to direct me because I wasn't listening. I was like, really? I would never have guessed that about you. <laughs> it's true though in labor. I mean, when you have a natural childbirth, you're, when, when your body wants to push, there is, it's almost an act of God to stop it. You know, it, it is, if somebody told me, don't push. I can't imagine. I'm sure you can, you can hold back. Right. But it is like, it takes over your body. And the same thing is true when you're being told to push and it's not time, your body's not telling you, like, it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So I, they stopped trying to direct me. Cause I was like, no, it's now it's time. And I would push and she came out nice and quick and easy. Um, I tore in the same spot that I had with my son. Um, and I, you know, had to flip around on the bed because I delivered backwards. And they handed her to me and I had her on my chest for maybe five minutes when they took her away. And you know, the, like, after you deliver, you get the shakes and you're not yeah. like totally coherent. Like you're running, riding this adrenaline high and your body is shaking and you're just not really totally sure what's going on. Um, the nurse pediatrician person came and was like, can I take her? And I was like, why? She's like, well, we have to check all our vitals. And like her oxygen and stuff. And I was like, okay. And so she took her and I was like, why can't you do that here? And so she was probably gone for only a couple minutes, but in that time, I'm like, can I have her back? Like, I feel empty. I'm like, can I, can I have her? Um, 
so I got her back. She's snoring. She's snoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I got her back and we had like, you know, all the skin to skin time after that. And tried to nurse. She had a hard time latching. She had a little lip tie. like full sleep and like kicking. Um, so I got her, she had a, a slight lip tie. And so we had a little bit of a hard time in the very beginning with her latch. Um, and I had been working on my lactation counselor certification at that point. So people were asking if I wanted like a lactation counselor to come in. And I was like, no, I am one. Like I'm okay. If it's just a regular lactation counselor, they have the same training I do. Um, But in the postpartum room, an IBCLC came in and I was like, I'll talk to you. Cause you're like up here and I'm here and you've got all the training. And I do want a little bit of help but just a regular lactation counselor nurse has the same training I do and isn't as passionate about it as like an IBCLC or somebody who's just a lactation counselor. Um, But with her, I had a really good delivery. I didn't have any complications. I was able to deliver the way I wanted to. The Pitocin wasn't overwhelming. The Pitocin wasn't overwhelming. And when it got overwhelming, I, we were able to stop it. Right. Which was really, really nice. Um, the couple of things that bothered me with her delivery is that they took her away right away. When I had been told and assured that that wasn't going to happen. Um, And the things that got done while they had her could have been done on me or could have waited an hour, like her height and weight. Like that wasn't gonna change. So like those couple of things bothered me. They also started the Pitocin up again after I had delivered um, her and the placenta to help my uterus contract. And that's not something that I had wanted. and nobody mentioned it. Nobody said, hey, we're going to start the Pitocin up again to help with this. Because I could have been like, oh, no, I'm good. Thanks. Like, please don't. It's We don't need to do that. Um, but I mentioned, I was like, oh, it still feels like I'm having contractions. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's the Pitocin. And I was like, when did that get started again? And why wasn't I told that you were giving me more Pitocin? Um, but that was kind of it. Did the IBCLC help you with the lip tie? Was that? Yeah, she came in and was great. I was like, hey, I think this is what's going on. I've tried a couple of different positions. But I don't know if there's more that I could do. And I can't diagnose if it is a lip tie. I can just say, 
like she has a clicking noise when she sucks and like there are these things and so this could be what it is but I'm not 100% sure so she came in and was like yep this is what's going on it's not a bad lip tie so you don't have to get it revised let's when she gets a good latch and she knows what a good latch is like then you'll be able to just nurse in whatever position and like be good right she's like let's try this position so she I can't remember what position it was oh it was leaning back so I was leaning back and she was flat on her stomach to mine and that's how we got her to latch we let her root um and she got a really good latch we didn't have any clicking and since then she's been fine so it was great to like go in and or like have her come in and talk to me and be like yeah you're right this is what's going on but like this is all you have to do and she was awesome to talk to and and it was awesome to have somebody who knew a little bit more and who could be like, yeah, you're right. This is what's going on. Let's work on it. You had spent six months doing your own training by then, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I was certified as a doula, as a postpartum doula and almost done with my lactation counselor one. I just had to finish the final. How do you feel about finding your voice? Because you you chose, chose natural birth both times in one way or another you were induced, and but you still had natural childbirth. And how do you feel about finding your voice in a hospital setting? Because you had about the most ideal set up the second time around and the knowledge because you had already gone through it once. So like the first time you have a baby, you don't know what to expect. You may know what you want, but you, you're, you do not know what to expect. So you went into this with all of that knowledge from the first time around the difficulties from the first time around the knowledge from all the training you'd had and someone you knew personally, who was your doctor, which is different than most people. So what advice can you give to women who want to find their voice or how did you, how comfortable did you feel about it? Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause that was the biggest thing that was important to you going in the second time. Yeah. I wanted to feel like I mattered and that I could say something and how that come to be like, I want the Pitocin turned off. We got the Pitocin turned off. Um, I think what really helped, I mean, there's definitely a few factors on why it was better. Um, I knew my doctor. We had an existing relationship outside of me being pregnant. Um, and that really helped. When my husband and I were driving to the hospital for her induction, I was like, hey, I do not want an epidural. I do not want them to tell me how to push or when to push. Like, I want to do it my way. It's like, and I need you to be the voice for me if they're not listening to me. 
I was like, I do not want it. And he was like, okay. That's a big difference too, right? Because it's not just your first time. It, it's, it's not it, his it's first time. He knows and he's like, we know you can do it. So like, you're fine. So when you hit transition and you're starting all of that, that's when you hit a wall and you're like, yeah. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I want to go home. I want to yeah. take a nap. Like I am done. I can't do it. And so I get to that point and I'm like, I can't do this. Like I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And my husband is there and he's like, you're not done. He's like, you know what this means. He's like, you know what part of labor. He's like, this means you're almost done. We're about to meet our daughter. Like, you know what this means and you know, you can do it. And I was like, I kind of hate you. And I kind of love you. Right. Just <laughs> all of the above. Um, but because I think that helped too, for me to like reiterate, like, this is what I want. And if I get to this point when I'm like, I'm done, tell me I'm almost there. And so like, as we're driving, we were like 30 minutes from the hospital, just like the way everything was set up. So we had a really nice drive where we were able to like have that conversation and be like, Hey, remember, these are things that I want. And don't let me forget that. And don't let them forget that or make me feel like me saying what I want doesn't matter. So he was really helpful with that. Um, I had my doula training, so I didn't hire a doula because I had just done the training. Um, and I acted as a doula in my head when I could. When I got to transition, my husband took over that role, which was great. Um, but I would notice like my pitch getting higher and I'd be like, hey, maybe we need to bring that back down because um, higher pitches are more stressful. So that was nice too. And it would have been a little nice also if I had had a doula, but not as nice as it would have been with my first. So like having the relationship with my doctor already and her knowing how I wanted to deliver and what I wanted and having my husband and us having had the conversation again, being like, hey, this is what I want. I need you to help with that. I think those all played a factor in how it went. And also when I did speak up, having that answered and listened to. If they yeah. had like shut me down so much, I, I would have stopped trying. And that could have happened because just, just because you have a good OB, you know, you can have nurses that are less helpful or enthusiastic or patient or polite, you know, and you really had a good experience in the hospital, which is amazing. So let's end on what advice would you give to women who want to make sure their voice gets heard? You, you talked about like reminding your husband, your partner, whoever is there with you, reminding them of what's important and to remind you and like being able to talk yourself down a little bit possibly having a doula is there anything else that you think can help a woman to find her voice I think if you have a few things if you pick like your top three things that are the most important that you do not want to sacrifice or switch 
and you fight for those the most, like I did not want an epidural and I wanted to deliver in whatever position my body was ready to deliver in. Like those were my two things. I wanted to be in control of what position and I did not want an epidural. And so those were things that I was more ready to fight about. Other things like, okay, let's break your water or let's start the Pitocin after you deliver. Like maybe weren't things that I totally wanted or like upping the Pitocin dosage. Um, weren't necessarily things that like I wanted, but they weren't things where I was like, I'm ready to fight you on these. Laboring on the toilet and being told no. That was one where I was like, really? But I can labor as effectively in the room. So that wasn't something I was ready to fight for. When it came to the position I was pushing in and they were like, do you wanna, do you wanna change your position? Do you wanna lay down? Absolutely not. And I will continue to say no, cause this is something I'm willing to fight you all on. And so because I think I had that like priority list of like, these are my two things that I will fight everyone in this room about. I think that helped because then the other things I was like, and eh, it's not that big of a deal, but this one, this is a big deal. So if you ask me one more time, I'm going to yell at you. And I think that helped. And then my husband knowing that that was also something that I was going to fight on and him backing me up and being like, no, she's good also helped because I knew I had somebody in my corner to back up my voice when they weren't listening. Right. Thank you, Liv, for sharing your second baby birth story.